You're listening to WHTT Speaks Out. Each week, Chuck Carlson and members of We Hold These Truths look into events that are, for the most part, ignored or overlooked by the mainstream media. And we analyze these events to get free and periodic updates to this program and our other interesting programs. Be sure to enter your email address in the subscribe to WHTT box on the right side of our website, WHTT.org. And now, ready, set, let the sparks fly. In today's WHTT Speaks Out, we're going to talk about, are we going to have an upcoming war here very soon? As everyone knows that's listened to any of our programs, we've been saying for years that the U.S. has a war-based economy, and we need enemies. And, of course, the enemy de jour that is prominently in the news today is Syria. And so there's many things swirling around there. A a recent chemical attack in Syria is being blamed on the government there. And so we want to talk about some of these issues. Israel has reportedly, uh, they uh, are making no comments, but they launched eight missiles in Syria, resulting in the deaths of a number of people, military people, including some Iranians. So there's many things going on, and we would recommend as a background, if you've not listened to, is the recent program we did with Janice Courtcamp, and the program is entitled American Christian Housewife Travels Alone Across War-Targeted Syria, and this is a most remarkable woman who has been to Syria four times. She went there on her own. She did all kinds of studying. But just be sure to uh, listen to this when you finish this program. So I want to introduce Chuck Carlson, the founder of We Hold These Truths, who will take the lead here. Chuck? We have a grave situation here. We're being told overnight a very improbable story about the Syrians supposedly gassing a civilian population, and the claims are that they killed some 60 people, as I recall, and wounded many more with what is purported to be, but there's no proof of it yet, chlorine gas. The improbability of this story is absolutely monstrous, and the action is in the reaction. We've witnessed instant response to this, rather than a reasonable and careful response, rather than, for instance, somebody responding by saying, we want to send 20 helicopters there to take care of the sick people. We have an immediate demand coming from our own uh, shadow government, or what we have become to call the United States SuperGov, the government above our government. This demand is percolating down from all levels and demanding retribution against Bashar al-Assad, the president of Syria, and of course the Syrian people. And more importantly, perhaps, their close association with Russia that has actually aided them in their war against the rebellions or the rebels by various names in Syria. Craig Hansen is on with us tonight. We were discussing this earlier, and maybe Craig would like to comment on the probability of this actually being something that the Assad government would do. 
Chuck, thanks for the link to Stefan Molinix that you sent out. Because he pretty much says what we're, we're saying here is that it doesn't make any sense. And the, the interesting thing is even Trump said, he says, well, this, this chemical attack was done for no reason whatsoever. Well, okay, maybe that should give you an opportunity to back off and look at this and let's get some documentation to this. And Trump said you know, that the area was totally surrounded by the Syrian army forces and that we need to have someone go in and for verification. So basically, we've got something that's surrounded by the army, that the enemy is surrounded, and so they're going to use chemical weapons to an enemy that's already surrounded so they can bring in the United States, might the military, and blow the Syrian army away. I mean, it absolutely does not make any sense whatsoever. But it does make sense that if the uh, rebels who have been armed and supported by the U.S. government and our taxpayer dollars at work over there, with Trump pulling out, they're going to lose their funding, they're going to lose their weapons, and so what better scheme than to pull off one of these attacks and then get the anger of the U.S. breathing down the throat of Assad. And so they get to continue on doing the same thing they've been doing with the help of more U.S. dollars. And of course, it doesn't hurt uh, Israeli interests either to just keep uh, stirring up the trouble in the Middle East and have Assad overthrown so they can have a puppet regime in there. So anyway, that's kind of what, what I'm thinking. On the complete other hand of this, it looks so asinine on the, on the surface. It's like, what is really going on in the background here? I hearken back to Colin Powell in the yellow cake and all this thing and, and the, why we went to war with Iraq in the first place and so on. There is an agenda uh, behind all this. Don't let the facts uh, get in the way of the agenda. And and what we have is a war-making machine that's driving this economy, that's driving this administration. And we can go back to your Eisenhower farewell address, beware of the military-industrial complex. And that's what we have running the show right now. And you've got to have a war for the military-industrial complex to flex their muscle. So obviously at this point, the facts aren't all in. And my prayer is just the, the Trump administration will get the facts before they start shooting off missiles and rockets and start killing Russians over there, because the Russians uh, made it very clear that if we attack Syria and kill or injure Russians, that there will be grave repercussions, and that's where we don't want to go. This is, as you say, an illogical act, and almost everything surrounding this potential overnight war that's been whipped up here is irrational. The responses are irrational. The quickness of the responses, the urgency of the responses, why does it have to be done right away, is irrational. The uh, evidence that's presented to us is all irrational. We're getting uh, little photographs over and over again about somebody washing the head of a little boy, about a bunch of bodies laying on the ground that you can't tell who they are. There's no way of identifying where it is. There's a smoke-filled street with people running in it. And then we find out we're getting these same images over and over with no explanation of where they're coming from. So the entire thing has the smell of being cooked up. And we are going to publish a link to Mr. Mullinex's very painful study of the whole warring system in which he talks about how the establishment, the creation, goes all the way back to the founding of the Federal Reserve Bank, the creation of banking, and then how in order for the bankers to have an excuse to print more money, to pump into the economy, which of course they then share in, 
they've then had to drum up wars, and the wars have been the continuous excuse. And he goes on with a with a very detailed and painful explanation of where this is taking us, and sort of a desperate feeling that he portrayed. And uh, we want to talk a little bit about what is really the upshoot of this, where we are really going with this. Is this the end of the world? It is seemingly an absolute desperate action to create a, a sudden new war situation right now. It's as though it can't wait till next month. And we wonder why it is that the SuperGov that's behind all of these other wars that has been keeping this going, that created the uh, illusion of weapons of mass destruction that got us into Iraq in the 1990s, uh, which Craig already mentioned. Why is it that suddenly we have to take action against Syria in this little corner of their country when they're just about one, uh, this phase of the war they're in? And I think it's important that we discuss that among ourselves and have an idea of where this is taking us, because uh, tomorrow morning we could wake up and find out that the United States has launched a missile attack against uh, what they claim to be all the uh, weapons of mass destruction owned by Syria. And in the process, they will end up killing a bunch of uh, Russians who are there, and they'll kill a lot of Syrians who are there, and they'll destroy a lot of equipment. And then what is going to happen next? So I'd like responses to what you feel is causing this great sense of urgency. I have a feeling of my own, which I'm going to voice, but I'd like to know how the rest of our group feels about this. Why are we being pushed into an attempt at an instant war? Go ahead, Carol. The way I see it is that when President Trump announces we are pulling our U.S. troops out of Syria, if you were the forces that wanted to take down the remaining free countries of the Middle East and North Africa, wouldn't you see the need to jump on it right then and do something desperate? in order not to have those, those troops withdrawn. In other words, we gotta act now because if we don't act now, we're gonna have to fight Assad on our own, we being the uh, greater Israel bunch. So I see it as they're being in desperation to make sure that the U.S. stays in there to fight their war. So Carol, if I'm hearing you rightly, the big we who's most benefiting from this would then be Israel? Are they the ones who are most desperate not to have the U.S. pull out of? And, and do you really think that Donald Trump would go against the big powerful complex that funds all of this and, and makes the system run, the people that we call the supergov? I'm in a dilemma about President Trump. First of all, when he was running for president, he was very strong on we are going to be friends with all the nations, all the leaders of the world, including Russia. And then he gets in the driver's seat in the White House, and then things seem to change. He sets off missiles against Syria uh, in his first year of office, and then these other things have, and now he has said, what did he say the other day, that Assad is going to pay, he's going to have to pay. Didn't he say something like that? So yes, here's, my, here's my dilemma. Is President Trump so much friends with the greater Israel bunch, those that created, orchestrated, and pulled off 9-11 and all the terrible things that have happened since, 
is he really in his own heart of hearts tied in there, both familial-wise and also friendship-wise with people like Bibi Netanyahu? Is he doing this of his own accord and angry at Russia and, and Assad, for example? Or is he being held hostage? Is he being taken over by the powers that be that are surrounding him in his administration? I don't know which it is. That's a very good uh, analysis with a very good choice. And we could spend the rest of the night speculating on that. Does somebody want to make a quick response to that before we go on? Well, in my opinion, Trump is a wild card, and he says a lot of things that and he flip-flops on, so we don't know. But he has surrounded himself more and more by uh, internationalists, one-worlders, Israel-firsters. And so you just look at the direction, and you have to uh, say, well, show me the, the end results here. And unfortunately, we don't want to see the results being a, a war that we're going to be dragged into with Russia. And so we're really in perilous straits. And getting back to the mission of we hold these truths, we are pro-peace and pro-life. And as we've talked about in previous shows, one of the biggest problems, of course, is so many American Christians really are blinded to what's going on. They actually look to their religion of patriotism first rather than being peacemakers that Jesus dictated to us. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. And so we have people that are really oblivious to what's going on, to to the evils, and they've basically been what we would call fans. And this kind of leads into a, a side issue here, which we will have a, a sermon by Chuck's pastor. Are we to be fans or followers of Jesus Christ? And so we see a lot of these fans of uh, Jesus Christ are also fans of America's wars. And so people are oblivious to this war-based economy here. And rather than uh, crying for peace, we don't see that. So the big picture is that we as a nation are deceived just as the people in uh, Israel are deceived there also. So we have lots of deception and we feel our role as we hold these truths is to try to peel back some of this deception and ask questions. We don't have a crystal ball by any stretch of the imagination here. Tom, thank you very much for bringing that up. And that brings us back to our previous little mention of uh, Stefan Mullinex, who made this wonderful analysis of the war machine going all the way back to uh, 1913 when the Federal Reserve Bank was started, and he, he makes the point that uh, the, this has been used to fund every war since then, and, uh, and I believe he says there were only 30 years that the United States was not involved in some sort of a skirmish that you could view as a war since that Federal Reserve Bank was actually created. Jesus is still there, and we do have that to think about and to realize that, that he counts in this equation. There is a purpose behind all of this, and that's not going to go away. And what I'd like to add is I don't believe that the SuperGov people recognize that. I think they believe they're God, that there is absolutely nothing that they cannot handle within their own scope of their own evilness and wisdom, and that they can carry out anything they want as long as they have these created mechanisms, such as the system of creating unlimited amounts of 
of credit money through the banking system. In the process of this, however, I'd like to note that we now have bankrupt central banks running the three biggest powers in the world, that being the United States government, uh, the United Kingdom, and the European Union. All three of these have central banks that have gone to unlimited degrees into debt and printed money that has been circulated among their populations in order to fund all of these wars that we're in. And I do believe that the super-gov people leave Jesus out of the equation and have no God in the equation except themselves. And uh, this is their Achilles heel. And I think maybe as we go on, it gives us our source of hope, is that we do have to believe that there will be a Jesus play uh, along the way in the cards. Well said, Chuck. And the thing that I see uh, among our fellow Christians is the deception that somehow America is so moral that we have to be the policemen of the world. And uh, the Israelis suffer the same thing, telling us that their army, the IDF, Israeli Defense Force, is the most moral army in the world. Well, recent events have proven that different. But the fact that the United States maintains something like a thousand military bases spread around the world is clear evidence of a new paradigm for empires. It's certainly different from what the British practice with actually occupying countries and so forth. And so uh, we can't even seem to recognize the evil in our own government. Uh, we need to pull the log out of our own eye, so to speak, using a biblical analogy. Yes, the government that preceded America prior to our Declaration of Independence had a very practical process of conquest and extraction where they made the countries that they occupied pay their way. We don't function on that sensible type of militarism. Our government leaders print the money for each and every war. And I believe that that is the Achilles heel of the system that we are up against. I do believe it is the reason that they're forcing the war issue right now. I think that they have reason to believe that they must have another war. As peace begins to settle in, there is a risk that the American people will actually catch on. And this, of course, at the same time as we are now being informed that we are inundated in the debts that have been accumulated in the last hundred years of war. So our country is now roughly $20 trillion in debt at the federal level. And that is all done by issuing securities that are held by well, many of them by directly or indirectly by the public. So our SupraGov has the problem of keeping all of this paper afloat. If it starts to sink, can you imagine what will happen to the confidence of all the people who directly or indirectly are caught up owning all of this debt that has been issued to finance all of these wars. And of course, uh, the UK and the European Union have gone along with our play as our Federal Reserve System has printed us into an insolvency position. These other super governments have 
gone along and done the same thing and actually competed, could issue the cheapest paper. So as we look at what our leaders are trying to pull off, in my opinion, rather than seeing it as a reaction to something that uh, Trump thought up to do, I'm more inclined to think that they simply are looking at their whole card and realizing that they can't fool us any longer, that we're going to catch on, and that the answer to it has to be engage us in another hate war against some other tyrant who we can say we hate and we're out to destroy, and be that Russia, uh, if they can concoct that, or Iran, they have all already vilified. The, the plan is war, not because we need the war, but war for the sake of creating a war itself. Uh, this is my own personal view of why we're doing this. And this, of course, is the Achilles heel of the complex, the SuperGov. They are trying to create a war that doesn't make any sense to any one of us five sitting here tonight. And frankly, there are signs that it's not making much sense to a lot of other people as well. So this is sort of where I go with this, is that our SuperGov is in a spot. They've had a little bit of peace for too long. They can't afford it right now. They have to create a war for the sake of controlling us. And that's, of course, how they hope to do it. Uh, what's that? How's that set with the rest of you? The one thing that the globalists, the SuperGov, cannot abide is human independence, national independence. They cannot, that does not fit in their global system, in their plans, right? So they have to put down any and all people and any and all nations that would oppose their system. And secondly, well, first of all, they have to have war, therefore, to keep you in line, you being anybody on the planet. Number two, the way that they fund this and pull off these wars is by their debt money, and that's why they have to continue to have this debt money system. Wow, well said, Carol. Well, Chuck, you know, you're, you're talking about the, the, the financial issue. You know, the bottom line is, like you said, the, the Federal Reserve, that's the head of the beast. How do we go about cutting off the head of the beast? Everybody's in, in credit card debt up to the yin-yang. Yang. They've got car payments. They've got mortgage payments. And they're, they're, just feeding, they're just feeding the beast. So until there's a, a mass awakening on what feeds the beast, I don't, I don't see a change. And I, this thing is so big, it, it is like you're spitting into the ocean. And I, I think your prayer is the only thing that is bigger than uh, any of these problems that we're facing. Because unless there is a supernatural intervention, I don't see a, a re result to this. Well, let's be a part of the supernatural intervention. Well, thank you for everybody's comments there. Ladies and gentlemen, we hope that maybe uh, we've got your thinking buds uh, in gear here. Don't believe all what we said here. Be uh, your own investigator and weigh this. Does it make sense? A lot of the news just doesn't make sense. And that's one of the beautiful things, of course, about the Internet. There's certainly a lot of disinformation out there. But you can dig deep. And there are people, and we can be thankful that there is a remnant out there Many years ago, Isaiah the prophet cried out to the Lord that, hey, he was the only one. Everybody had bowed their knees to Baal, and, and the Lord came back and said, well, there's 7,000 that have not. So we can uh, rest in comfort that there is 
a remnant out there that does uh, understand what's going on. Thanks for listening. If you like this program, please let your friends know about it and our other thought-provoking podcasts. And be sure to visit our website, whtt.org, for a wealth of information on Christian Zionism and other critical issues that we face. Also, at whtt.org, you can watch for free our award-winning documentary film, Christian Zionism, The Tragedy and the Turning, Part 1. Join us in our efforts to wake the town and tell the people. Start small, think big, and press on towards the straight gate.